All right. So, yeah, getting this thing started. Uh, what is the glorious both and? Oh. Why did you create it? What's the inspiration behind it? That's a great question. Well, the phrase itself has to do with the evolution of my spiritual journey and going from everything is separate to everything is one to everything is separate and one. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been immensely important to me. And it has to do with going beyond either or thinking um, to both and thinking in, in all spheres of life. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's to share, to share my, my experience with others and to really kind of share my, my new vision of what, let's say non, non-duality is, um, and also to help people, to help people with spiritual emergencies, to help people, um, get a, a way to have support if they are going through any type of yeah, basically spiritual emergencies, especially related to different types of like self-negating teachings mm -hmm. um, and creating support for that. I see. Beautiful. Yeah. So, um, what are these spiritual emergencies that could come about from these self-negating philosophies? Sure. Well, in general, spiritual emergencies, which have been greatly researched over the last like 30 or so years. I don't know if you've heard of Stanislav Grof, but um, he's, you know, done a lot of stuff with psychedelics and had, you know, really found that when you're going through dramatic shifts of consciousness, that it can be, you know, extremely destabilizing and it can cause a lot of, let's say, psychological distress. And at times it can be lead to even more dangerous types of things. But the whole kind of idea behind it, again, is that, um, you know, when you kind of switch into, let's say, like non-consensual sense of reality, yeah. um, just kind of integrating it, yes, is one thing, um, but just even, you know, I guess, adapting to that, um, you can go through all sorts of things like alienation from other people who can't understand you. Um, you can have certainly things like disassociation and depersonalization. And then, you know, on the path that I was on, a lot of just kind of total loss of, of motivation or any sense that, you know, one's life really matters or the things that they're doing or their relationships. And even it, it can lead to dysfunction. And most people don't have support for that. The medical community certainly you know, doesn't have a great understanding of that. Um, so people can just be kind of left totally alone and trying to kind of make sense of this radical shift that can be really tumultuous. Mm, I see. Yeah. 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 So do you feel that the rhetoric or some of the rhetoric from these non-dual teachers mm -hmm. is kind of assenuating uh, that that um spiritual emergency or it could at least just because a lot of people are just blatantly saying hey man none of this is real there's no self and exactly if you don't know how to, if you don't really know what that means then it could kind of cause a sense of depersonalization derealization and the list goes on is that kind of also the gist of your brand well i didn't get sorry the first part of what you what the the, the first part of the question i'd sorry if you could go back 
yeah so is is the the rhetoric from a lot of the non-dual teachings the advaita the neo-advaita teachings mm -hmm. um are they just kind of uh, add fuel to the fire or have the potential to do that with this sort of spiritual emergency with the depersonalization and derealization that might come with um uh, well the spiritual insights yeah well i i, I mean i would say I mean, it, it it can lead to the spiritual emergencies, and you know, depersonalization and dissociation are you know one of one of the symptoms. It doesn't always happen, um, but I think that there's a situation where people just kind of hearing these messages that you don't exist and the world isn't real, um, you know, just those two things to start off with, um, you know, and that you you know you need to wake up out of your false sense of self that you know, nothing that you ever believe to be true is um, that there are people who just hear those messages and don't necessarily have, let's say what people call like a direct experience of no self or ego dissolution or whatever, however you describe um, the experience of that. I mean, to them, it just sounds and you know, I agree but it sounds like totally nihilistic you know that everything you love is a lie you know that you're kind of a, a false kind of um fiction in your head that of course people just hear those things and like i was actually reading on the internet last night um because you'll find if you like look through the internet there's like thousands of people that are like asking for help or they're like i listen to this non-dual teacher and i feel absolutely fucking insane like I don't feel like I can go back to work. I can't function, et cetera. So there's that. And, and with that, my, my feeling is that an issue is teaching this stuff indiscriminately to the general public, right? That it's not saying that nobody should experience that or teach that, but that teaching that indiscriminately is, is a big part of the issue with it. You know, yeah. that we have no idea what people's backgrounds are. Um, you know, tons of it's it's a vulnerable audience of people that are are seeking an instant, you know, instant ego death to be free of suffering. Um, mm. So there's that. And then, sorry, cat. Um, <laughs> the other thing is because there's there's been some misconception around this that if somebody experiences, let's say, a spiritual emergency or different types of, you know, harm or distress from non-dual spirituality or awakening that it's just that category of people that, you know, they heard stuff and they misunderstood or um, it wasn't explained to them properly or they were just traumatized, whatever it is, that the experience itself of a radical shattering of your foundational sense of identity and reality, whether, I mean, even when you experience that, like I did as you know, for a long time, just total radical liberation and, you know, the best thing that ever happened to me, um, that can, that can switch and that can also be interspersed. Like, you know, there's, um, you can have these big sort of ego blowout experiences and ego dissolution or samadhi, whatever you're gonna, whatever we're talking about. Um, but then you kind of whiplash between, the no self and then uh, here I am again like fuck I don't I don't want to be me I don't want to be a person now I'm suffocated in this false sense of self and that sort of radical whiplashing where it's like one minute you're here and one minute you're not 
you know, one minute you're just like empty open space and then you're stuck inside yourself as this person that, you know, that that in itself, I think it shouldn't be surprising that that can become pretty kind of harrowing and maddening, you know, that you mm-hmm. you want to just, you know, be your open, spacious, no self um, or not be a self, let's say that. But for most people, that's not something that you quickly just slide into permanently. And I think that most people don't um, don't do that. And that's been kind of through the through history and traditions. It, it was always talked about, um, you know, Zen talks about emptiness, sickness, Vajrayana um, talks about um, falling into the pit of hell because you're kind of on this razor's edge of something that can e- easily go from mystic to psychotic. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that it isn't true that you're only going to end up in these, you know, really terrifying, harmful situations if you, you know, if you just hear a message and don't like get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this. How did you come to this direct experience of ego dissolution? Sure. Well, I had started reading books like most people do on, you know, no self and and all of that. And I was just walking down the street one day and, you know, there was just this huge collapse of a sense of of a me or a person or like a separate observer, um, you know, just kind of dissolving into into boundlessness and that the dissolution experience came pretty natural to me and um pretty early on so it wasn't like i was trying to following the teachings for years trying to have an experience and i have some theories about why it came easily to me but it happened pretty early on is is basically what i'm what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think the problem is with these non-dual people, and no offense to any, I talk to a lot of them, all right? So yeah. if anybody's watching, it's all love, man. But I think sure. the problem is they're trying to convey something that is one, truly unconveyable with language. And two, maybe they just don't quite understand it that well to be able to convey it. And three, the the you can't just like have this direct ego dissolving experience from a youtube video i don't think it works like that it's not it's not that easy so to the uninitiated per se just saying you don't exist none of this is real blah 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 that doesn't mean anything i feel like it only means something when somebody has had that experience right like you can i get it when somebody says that stuff and i can i I can relate to a certain point because i've had the experience but if nobody's had the experience, then it doesn't make any sense. And you just kind of look a little neurotic. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really, like, it doesn't, it's like, what's the point of talking about it at that yeah. point? It, right, because you're just, just kind of sharing, like, ideas. I see what you mean. Well, I think that with this situation, um, that there are people that are just sitting there being like, you don't exist. Everything's a lie. You know, what you really are is pure consciousness. There's some people that are just kind of, you know, saying it like that um, without much else going on. But there are people who are guiding self-inquiry on YouTube and that are guide or that are offering, you know, powerful direct pointers. So I do think there's the issue with just kind of the whole, you don't exist. You're not real. Um, that just makes somebody sound you know, kind of 
crazy at times and not necessarily helpful. But I think it is, you can have powerful ego dissolution experiences listening to people on YouTube because, you know, they are, they are guiding people through techniques and practices that are known, you know, in transit transitions. Huh, that's a good, it's kind of funny. Um, in when people are, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, you're talking about the people that are actually guiding. Yeah. And that what, what they're guiding is, you know, the most powerful, let's say, advanced level practices from the traditions. They've just been, they're now being taught on YouTube to the general public. Yeah. So I think it's kind of twofold. Um, it is. It's always yeah. twofold, right? At least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wasn't talking shit about everybody that has these, that um, ventures down these teachings. There's definitely real ones out there, but then there's other ones. It's like, dude, it's not that easy, man. You can't just say, you can't just say it. You know, there's a certain skill, there's certain nuances to these Advaita teachings. You know, there's a certain way to go about it. There's a certain way to convey this wisdom. Um, there's a certain kind of like spice you got to put on it. You can't just be up front. It's not that easy. You know, the rule book doesn't make it that easy. The rule book of life and non-duality. You can't just say it. It's like Fight Club. You can't really just talk about it like that. But you can guide and you can skillfully guide. So, yeah, I agree with, with you on that. Yeah. And there's definitely... Um, uh, yeah, there's definitely a huge, um, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, a huge upside to that, like having that specific guidance, if you can find the right teacher, for mm -hmm. sure, that's, it's definitely useful. Um, so yeah, you just got to find the right ones, know what you need, and know what you don't need. Yeah, that's I can hear what you're saying. Um, I would add to that, I mean, my perspective, um, for one is, I mean, in my view, um, being a a skillful teacher. And I also want to say that, like, I'm not attacking everyone in non-duality by any means, you know, like I, I, I've researched for years what I went through to try to understand it. And that uncovered a lot of things that I feel, you know, compelled to talk about, but I think most people are good intentioned and they are helping people in some ways. But, um, I think that if we want to be skillful teachers of these powerful, you know, um, reality altering experiences that I don't think it should be taught indiscriminately. So, for example, you're saying that there's different ways to communicate things, maybe in different situations. Like, I've been learning a bit about where modern non dual teachings come from and Neo Advaita, you know, Ramana Maharshi and Nisargadatta. And Ramana Maharshi was very clear and he said, the message that you give needs to be you know, and this is kind of paraphrasing, it needs to be customized to the person listening to you. You didn't give self-inquiry to everyone who came along. Yeah, I read that quote last night. It's funny that you say that. Yeah, Weird. He, yeah, he, well, I don't know if it was that exact thing that he said, but yeah. he said that there is no like cookie cutter teaching for this Advaita. It's, it can't be taught in mass. Like it can't just be broadcast yeah. and everybody gets it. Right, right. Yeah. And it also had to do with the fact that for some people, he would not, he would say that, you know, you should go do, I forget what it, but there's different sort of like uh, stages that one could do to reach, you know, the enlightenment. But um, he was saying that like, you know, not everyone should just start out doing self-inquiry to, you know, to practice, um, practice through discipline, uh, let's say emotional regulation to first become dispassionate and, 
equanimous, is that a word? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, before you would then go to self-inquiry because, it, you know, it could further destabilize you if you're unstable. But I wanted to say then Nisargadatta said um, something to the effect of the medicine, basically the, med the medicine is not the same for each person. So one person, I guess, had critiqued something he said, and he was like, that teaching was not for you. That was for someone else. So don't follow that, you know? Um, so I think that today there's a, a problem in, you know, not, not being able to assess the person. Um, I mean, and I think of it a little bit like set and setting, you know, like mm. if we're, if somebody's facilitating ego death through psychedelics, there's like really, there's really been a ton of research into how to, how to prepare, how to kind of screen for mental health issues and what people's intentions are. And, and I would say that, that the ego death or ego dissolution experiences that you can have through like non-dual pointers potentially even more powerful than what you have on on psychedelics. So I think that that parallel is kind of like, you know, you're you're inducing or guiding somebody to a totally a total ego disconstruction, deconstruction. Um and that's not that's not something that always goes smoothly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <same> you know. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely an arduous uh, journey. But I guess all ro all roads lead to the same place in a way. I guess what we're all trying to do, whether it's with psychedelics or non-dual teachings or general self-inquiry is to, yes, dissolve our ego in a way. It's to see outside the boundaries of your idea of yourself with a lowercase s and find the self with an uppercase s, right? So it's just like, uh, it's like, it's all the same destination, but it's like, we just have different ways to get there. If you want to use that metaphor. To get to, let's say like the no self experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is that your job to, would you say that's your work in a way to figure out what somebody's medicine is? No, it's, that's not my job. I'm not, um, I'm not directing people towards some type of awakening experience i would say if anything it's more on the integration side of things mm -hmm. you know and also you know dealing with confusion and and for people that want to move away from or they want to they want to re-embrace themselves or they want to re-embrace kind of you know being a they're being an ego but the ego not being the totality of you right so Yes. transcending the ego so that it's now a part of a much bigger whole but not the whole thing and that can be obviously really really hard which it really 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 was for me but um yeah a lot of people that are i think curious about different types of of spiritual awakening or non-dual awakenings that can that can feel more compatible with their with their lives and in, in society, you know, like, mm -hmm. is there a way to have, you know, expanded consciousness and, you know, continue to feel engaged in life and participating and still feel motivated and, you know, be able to relate to other people. Um, so that's, yeah, kind of some of the, the stuff that goes on. Yeah, that's the gist. That's true uh, non-dual teachings and in integration right there. It's having that that perspective of oneself with a lowercase s and an uppercase s and being able to 
integrate the uppercase s perspective with the lowercase s perspective. As in, take that greater sense of self, that interconnectivity between you and everybody, that realization, that grand revelation, and then <clears throat> incorporate that into your regular life. And I find as though there's a there's a, some kind of switch, right? It's like you don't just get the realization, the direct experience of all is one and one is all, and that's it. It seems to be with that um, with that realization. It's like what what is one going to do with their ego? What is how how do we how do we live in the, the world with this? And I feel like that is the most important part of this whole spiritual journey, if you want to call it that. It's like, now you know, so what are you going to do with this knowledge? You know, with great power comes great responsibility in a way. So what does one and how does one incorporate this into their regular daily life? That's how I see the path in the journey, right? It doesn't end at, it doesn't end at you don't exist. <laughs> it doesn't end that nothing is going on here. No, yeah. that's just, uh, that's duality in itself. Like if, if you're just stuck in that pole, that's you're stuck in a sense of duality, claiming it to be non-duality when it's actually not true non-duality seems to be to me, it's a simultaneous, it's the both and, right? It's, it's both exactly. at the same time. And then yeah. how do you play and how do you dance that dance in the regular world? Knowing that exactly. you're, you're a human being, you are, you're a human being, but being a, being a human being is a little bit, um, it's a little bit different than before, I guess you could say. It's a little bit uh, expanded. It doesn't negate the humanness. It doesn't negate it at all. But there's a little bit, there's a different spice to life. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's something a little bit different on how one acts and orients themselves. I like how you said spice to life, because one of the biggest things we hear, right, is that the spice in life went away. <laughs> And yeah. things become, you know, hollow and flat. But I think it, it's about the both and, as you're saying. Um, and when you're, like I said, like whiplashing, where you're trying to get rid of a part of yourself that I feel is vital part of humanity, which is the sense of being an individual. Um, when you try to get rid of that, then I think you're you're kind of always you can't there can't really be integration. Um, and I think when it gets really extreme and radical, it's like, you know, a lot of this, these were monastic paths and renunciate paths. Like it's very new for this stuff to be taught outside of that context. And so there's questions for a lot of people of like, is this even compatible with being a parent, being a, a student or, you know, being with a, a partner? I mean, I know a lot of people who just, you know, they no longer, they no longer feel like kind of the ability to have personal intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they leave their relationships or people get divorces and things like that, that it's hard when something becomes so radically negating where it can just feel almost unintegratable with, with the life you were living, which can be hard if they're, you know, you've got ties to that mm -hmm. life and that world and responsibilities and, and things like that. So it's super complex. Yeah. As you're saying also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The show goes on, essentially. That's how I yeah. like to phrase it. It's like you're still, there's still goings on here. Even though you kind of have a different view of the goings on, it's still like, it's still a role to play in the show. So yeah. I, I mean, 
And that's where I got to a point where like, I felt like I wasn't playing a role anymore. Like I felt like, you know, watching the passing show and if you, I'm, I mean, you just read Raman Maharshi, so you probably know some of Nisargadatta, but yeah. I was, uh, you know, reading him for a while and had the experience for some time where, you know, like the world is within you, right? Like everything is within your awareness. Um, but I, I couldn't engage as something within my awareness. So it was like, I could be sitting on a bench and feeling just immense love and compassion and like tears of joy, just watching people down the street. But it came to this point where I was like, but wait, will I ever, will I ever be able to have a relationship again? Like, mm. you know, where that just felt like there's no one here. And I'm just kind of like this supra consciousness, which is, you know, pretty phenomenal to experience, but I couldn't participate in life from that. Uh-huh. Yeah, see, that's the thing is like, it, it's true, we are this super consciousness. And that is beautiful, beyond words. But it's like, that's not it. And even though that's, it doesn't make any sense to say like, what do you mean? That's not it. It's like, that's the that's the glory of non duality is that with the you, you have this realization of you're a part of this grand infinite super consciousness of interconnectivity that is eternal. Yet, that's not like that's, that's cool. That's great. But at the same time, you're still a human being. And there's beauty in that. There's beauty. There's humility in that to know that, you know, it's like, I guess, another metaphor. It's that, you know, we're, we're a part of God, but we're not, we're not all of God. You know, we're, we're, we still have, we're still simply a human being here. Um, mm -hmm. I find comfort in that, right? I, I don't know. There's something, there's something about that. But yeah, I think the, the topic of this conversation is, is integrating that realization to our regular daily life. That is the most important thing. And uh, yeah, I guess if you don't, it could definitely, I could see how it could lead to um, general mental problems from that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's fairly common. And I think that that's kind of par for the course also. Um, and, you know, most people spend years trying to integrate awakenings, whether it's non-dual or kundalini or near-death experience, like, you know, you're, it's like you cross through a, a threshold, like I said, into this other reality that other people aren't sharing. Um, and it's fucking hard to deal, to deal with the radical new sense of reality. Um, and with integrating and all of that, like, yeah, I mean, I was talking about roles before, but I just know a lot of people lately who have been talking about like being a parent, for example, and having this extreme conflict of like, I can't, I can't be, you know, in dissolution and um, like continuing down this sort of ego death path and still be like a super engaged, like enthusiastic parent. Like, mm. you know, I, my kids or my wife, they just don't like, they seem like just a projection um, and stuff like that. And like, but you know, that those are the teachings. And I think you, you can start to experience the world as illusory. And that's, that's hard to deal with also. Like if, if that is the realization that you've had, um, that's also fucking hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. So how would you, I mean, I imagine there's no one size fit all to this either, but if we can yeah. kind of generalize it here, how would you integrate that? 
to somebody say somebody is going through like some kind of grand yeah. depersonalization so what do, what do you recommend to somebody that is i've been thinking a lot about that because right now i i don't so much say like okay this is how you integrate it i think it's more about making a space for people to share what they're going through and it's mm -hmm. mostly people who who are wanting to move away from a you know either or self-negation like the ego is you know is a is a problem the body is a problem whatever that kind of thing um and for me what i've thought of recently is that because i i perceive that oneness and separateness are one thing they're basically you know they're co-rising and like you said that we're a part of god and so for me we're a real expression of God or, you know, the ground of being or the absolute. And so I've found that personally for me, um, I see like, I see non-duality as more of like a unity of opposites. And it feels to me that to really fully integrate in terms of experiencing and perceiving wholeness, there has to be an integration of oneness and separateness or the transcendent and the imminent. Um, the relative and the absolute so that they're not isolated in, you know, mutually ex exclusive realms, if you will. Um, and that's been sort of a third stage that, you know, I never heard about in, you know, New Advaita or modern non-duality. Like it was just about eradicating separateness, um, like in an extreme way, you know, like it is not real, there is none. Um, to sort of this this next stage that was more of um well, wait a minute it's not that everything's not separate or individual it's that they're also one um and that's changed everything for me in in so many ways um but aside from that a lot of people are realizing that they've been spiritually bypassing i mean it's it's yeah. set up so well for that so a lot of people are are needing to have like their their emotions affirmed they're needing to have uh, learned to actually befriend their their suffering and, and befriend their, themselves. Um, that's been a really huge thing is people starting to kind of come back down. Like a friend said the other day, he's like, you land back through the stratosphere and you're <laughs> coming back. Um, and yeah, learning learning to em embrace, embrace all the things that you've tried to abandon, I guess, to yeah. fully abandon, you know, to be fully human and to give yourself permission to be fully human. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which it sounds kind of like what you're saying is that like we're still humans. Yeah, exactly. And do you find that embrace though is like it seems like sweeter? There's something that is so sanctified about that, that coming mm -hmm. back into the stratosphere, it almost makes the human experience that much more beautiful. It's strange yes. because everything everything changes but nothing changes at the same time and it's hard to explain yeah i i i feel that way as well <laughs> yeah but yeah. absolutely that it's i mean it, it's sweeter but it's it makes you appreciate yeah i would say it, it makes emotions and even suffering feel like it, it has sacredness as well yeah um that That's everything is that everything is sacred and like wanting to now like wanting to be touched and moved by life not to be invulnerable or to just dissolve feelings on the spot but to to really hold them and experience them and relate to them um 
and, and feel just so fucking alive because you're embracing everything that's coming up as sacred. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it could seem like the Neo-Advaita teachings, and if you get sucked into that world as almost an escape, as a, as a form of escapism, but it, then Absolutely. I think the true incorporation and integration of it is is uh what's the opposite of escape i guess a true embrace yeah like you said it's a true embrace of yeah. all the ups and downs and twists and turns of the human experience but yeah with yeah. a little less resistance i guess like less yeah like you said suffering i think that's the biggest thing that we can get from this whole this whole topic is there, is there seems to be a negation of suffering it doesn't mean a negation of pain it doesn't mean a negation of uh, negative things that could happen to you, but I guess the the resistance to those things, you know, there's no clinging. There's no, there seems to be like a less instances of clinging, less mm -hmm. instances of of uh, attachment to this thing, and and it's almost like one can witness the human experience and all the goings on, the phenomena of the human experience, at the same time being in the human experience it's it's um yeah it's both and <laughs> it's both, yeah. it's both at the same time and that's beautiful in that that, that simultaneous paradox that one can live in that is true non-duality but it's like a comfortable paradox if that makes sense well it is for me <laughs> yeah. um but i was gonna say about that because i i really agree with what you're saying um that i mean for me what i've realized is that we can harness that expanded consciousness or a non-dual state or what some people might say um just kind of like beingness let's say for example that being able to expand your your boundaries or your borders being able to create that space within yourself not to then trivialize or to numb what's within you yeah. but or detach from it but to now have space in order to befriend and turn towards and be able to to have self-compassion because now there's like a relationship right so you're not like stuck in it and, and you know suffocating from it but in the days of my early non-duality there there was nothing like that like self-compassion would have been just kind of laughable because there's no self right mm -hmm. um but the other thing that's been really fascinating and I think pretty good you were saying clinging and attachment that for me it's like I don't even have like I can embrace there being arisings of clinging or arisings of attachment like that can even be included yeah. um and the more I can again be able to be a space like a loving space for it then I'm not fighting against it if it does come up if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's huge and that's how we negate suffering in a way. Less resistance. I guess you, we, one can look at suffering as like there, there are different kinds of suffering as the Buddha describes. But there, are, there is like in the moment suffering, you know, when you have pain and sickness, mm -hmm. yada, yada. But then there's another kind. I don't know the poly terms for them, but there's another kind. It's like the, the, we, we create our own suffering through the ideas of it, through the clinging or the resisting. So I think that's what this perspective um, helps negate. It's the kind of suffering that we we self-create through our, you know, ideations of the future or the past. It's like, uh, yeah, it's just being able to simply witness whatever that said suffering is and almost flow with it. I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect. You know, I'm not saying that I'm, 
Uh, I don't resist anything. I don't cling it to anything. Sure. But like you said, it's that like, it's the noticing of the clinging. It's this like weird 5D chess that you could play in your head by becoming. I like that. You know what I mean? It's like the, I don't know how to play chess, but <laughs> yeah, it's like you're you're one almost one upping your your mental facilities in a way by just being able to witness the comings and goings. You know, to like, allow it. Yeah, like what Mana Maharshi says, "Let what comes come, and let what goes go, and see what remains." And that seems to be the essence. It's like see what remains in that that coming and going, the phenomena mm -hmm. of the mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just gonna say something that's that's shifted for me also is that my practice i guess is not necessarily to to just witness neutrally what's arising but with self-compassion it becomes more of like something that i ended up learning was like inner child work and starting to realize that a lot of the you know the pain and the suffering was coming from like the wounded child parts of myself that were actually, you know, desperate for attunement and attention that they never got and like just care and, and love. Um, and so now like that opening of space allows me to like see it, of course, but to then engage with it from a place of, let's say, love and 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 befriending. So it becomes a little bit more for me of engagement with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so you, you're saying that you embrace in the way a sort of trauma from your childhood or maybe the trauma from the childhood is what caused some of it, some of the suffering. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, for sure. You know, like a, so many people, you know, we talk about trauma all the time these days, just mm -hmm. how, you know, they say that um, there's no, like, there are good enough parents, but there's no, you know, perfect parents and that most people, it seems you know, didn't have, or maybe not most, but a lot of people didn't have like emotional attunement from their parents or didn't feel like they could um, express themselves or their feelings. And then a lot of neglect and like, you know, narcissists, for some reason, I meet like only people that had a narcissistic caregiver, which <laughs> is really funny. Uh, well, not funny, it's sad, but um, yeah, just that we all have these younger parts of ourselves that I think when in the beginning for me, I was kind of demonizing the suffering, you know, and uh, voices of like negativity or whatever it was, I, did, I wanted to push it away and abandon it. And then I came to this realization that like, wait a minute, a lot of this is residue from, you know, uh, growing up. And I worked with a therapist who was, um, who was introducing me to, to inner child work and like, parts work that to see to actually to to humanize them which was like radically different you know mm -hmm. from from the start was that like well these are parts of you and and they're kind of let's say feelings from a younger you that that was a a human um so it's yeah it's it's really interesting have you heard about parts work or mm, ifs don't think so no what's that about it's this guy dick schwartz who Basically, what he says was like that the ego isn't just like one thing, but it's actually a collection of parts, like okay. that it's made up of like sub parts. So when we mm -hmm. say like the ego, like there isn't just like one ego that's like a monolith, but yeah. different parts. And that some of those parts are the younger parts. That makes sense. That makes a lot of yeah. sense, actually. Yeah, I like mm. that. 
Yeah. It's like a puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> you seem to be into like strategy games and stuff. Chess yeah. and puzzles. Oh yeah. That's fun you say that. I've yeah, I'm a big well, I used to be. I'm I don't game anymore, but that was my uh that was my go-to. I was into strategy games. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny you pick up on that. It is really funny. I guess I give off that vibe. I'm a, I'm a strategist. <laughs> I'm always trying to be one step ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. And a peculiarity, right, that I, I've noticed from that, and I guess I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but um, it seems that we're all traumatized from our childhood, I would say, one way or the other. You know, extent, I, I would say yeah. that. And I guess once we can kind of confront our trauma from our childhood, yeah. the weirdly peculiar thing that happens, right? I guess once you can per se get over it or embrace it or just, yeah, you know, kind of digest it a little differently, it seems to be like you regain a sense of childhood in that, like you regain a sense of mm -hmm. childlike relation to your life, right? So it's almost like we have that part of us in us. It's just innately ingrained in us, right? That childlike wonder. And yeah. because of the trauma, we decide to ignore it and shoo it away because we want to ignore the yeah. trauma because it was traumatizing. So I think it's like we lose, uh, as we grow up, we lose a sense of that, our, that literal sense of part of us, our sense of self, yeah. Because we don't want to think back to the to the days of that trauma. But I think exactly. once you can embrace it, you come back into it. And then in yeah. us, we gain like a sense of our childhood back. And yeah. that makes life a little bit more beautiful because, you know, yeah. think of children. Think, think of the archetype of a kid. They're just like so wondrous. That everything is new. They're just so engrossed in the magic of the, the, the majesty of this life, this new thing that they're in. So it's like we yeah. seem to from personally speaking and from other people that I've spoken to, like we regain that, that childlike innocence and embrace of the world. Mm, yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. Um, like you said, it's like what, what's what you've repressed. And a lot of times that's what someone else kind of tried to repress in you, whether it's like, you know, um, your creativity or your voice or, whatever's or your confidence like whatever's been repressed like you're saying like once you're able to be with it or have it kind of come up to the surface and however you approach that 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 when they become more like released and opened mm -hmm. that then they spring back to life and you mm -hmm. feel more alive yeah 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 that's what it's all about man it's all about uh coming what back it's to all that. about Feeling, feeling as alive as possible. <laughs> That's it. It's that simple, man. It's just like, yeah, being, in, enjoying this life as much as you can, as much as you can. We're all going through it. I know that. But it's like coming back to a sense of um, being okay, <laughs> you know, you know, and even that might even mean being okay with not being okay. Exactly. That's the big thing. I mean, I know that's a cliche and we've all heard that before probably. No, but I, so it's also so deep, you know? Yeah. It really is. Said and done. There's definitely some layers that one has to process in their being to be able to do that. But I think it's simple, you know, it's simple to, to have that kind of point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was something I was going to say, and of course I forgot again. Yeah. Um, now it lost me. I might come back to it. We were just talking about enjoying life. That's what it's all about. Oh, right. We were talking about enjoying life and feeling <laughs> alive. Um, one of the things that's uh, that's arisen for me over the past couple of years is also like 
compassion and kindness and as well as, you know, giving back to others in some ways, because the first part of my non-dual journey and the teachings that I was following, I mean, it was only about like your personal salvation, right? Yeah. It never had anything, like it was never talked about of like kindness and, and service and things like acts of kindness, for example, there wasn't really much of like a I mean, I don't know if we're going to call it like a moral ethic, but it was, you know, it was just focused on how to awaken yourself and be yeah. free from suffering. But I found with self-compassion that the more compassionate I can be with myself, the more compassionate I can be to others. And mm -hmm. the more that I've embraced everything in my experience, the more I feel empathy and compassion for others and like this deep sense of being a part of the shared human condition like you were saying like we're interconnected we're interwoven mm -hmm. yeah and that's and what that's, it's all about <laughs> yeah being interwoven interwoven and i think really that is the path to this sense of happiness if you want to call it happiness i think it, in that servitude and compassion for another human being that there's something special about that that's kind of what this life is about not what it's all about, I guess, but you know, it just, we, we can all relate. It feels good to do good for other people, <laughs> right? I think that is not the path to happiness, I'd say, but I think it just comes along with that self-realization. Like you said, it almost seems, almost seems obligatory, right? Once you can realize the interwovenness of yourself and other selves, it's, there's, there seems to be some kind of obligatory reorientation in my being. Like, I almost feel as though I need to, not out of like, uh, and it's not a need, like I'm trying to be somebody or be the Messiah, but it's just like na natural, just like effortless, I feel as though. And I, I think other people can attest to that as well. Like, um, love is effortless. If you want to, that's one for the postcard, right? But the, there you go. <laughs> love is effortless. Yeah, it is a good one. A fridge <laughs> but, magnet. But yeah, seriously. But I think it's you know there's a certain kind of truth to that. It's like uh, I don't know. It just seems like it's just it's like that's the easy way here. That's the way to flow. Like that's the love is uh, love being a loving, compassionate person for as much as you can. It seems to be almost like a, a flow state here so th there is less resistance in the experience here um but it's not yeah. trying to get something out of being that servant that's the that's the dance right. as well and that, that's exactly. what the Bhagavad Gita is about it's like you just it's just naturally that's just the natural state from this this newfound perspective of yourself I'm, I'm sorry I have to pick up my cat <laughs> bring her in so you can edit this part out yeah it's okay okay come here All right, here she is. Oh. <laughs> now let's just hope. Uh, her name is Kitty because she's deaf. So I never really developed like a unique name for her because she can't hear it. Wow, that's a, that's pretty interesting. So you've she's been deaf since you've had her? Yeah, I adopted her for a couple months and then I kept her because I'm a sucker. Um, and then I realized she was deaf because I turned the vacuum cleaner on next to her head and she didn't move. Wow. Wow. So that's an experience. Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> kitty, um, kitty the kitty. Kitty the kitty. Very literal. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, you said something that um, flipped a switch that I wanted to go back to. 
um, oh, how like, you know, compassion and like kindness can come naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like for me, like it had to rehumanize people, right? Because I, you know, you can get to a point where things seem so illusory that it can lead at least, you know, it did to me and a lot of people who talk about it, like to a bit of an indifference, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, people aren't real and that kind of thing. So coming to this next stage where there is reality to people, like we're, we're real expressions of God or, you know, being or whatever you're going to call it, um, that that just flooded me with these feelings of love and compassion because, you know, their suffering is, is real. And, you know, so um, that felt really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If nothing is real here, if that is the truth, and this is all just uh, impermanent uh, experience, our being comes and goes. I feel as though what is real is love. And I almost feel as though that is what we're here for. And almost that is like an that is what we are. And I know that doesn't even the word love doesn't do it justice. Any word doesn't do it justice. Compassion, love, agape, prema, those words don't quite do it justice. But I feel as though if there is a realer sense of what we are that goes beyond the body, it is this this force, this interconnectivity, this force that blends us together. And it is that love. And I think that's why it's almost obligatory once one comes to this perspective, because it's like, oh, that's what this is all about. If this is all a game, this is what the game's all about. It's all about what this this love in the moment, too. And it depends on the moment. And that's the beautiful thing about love is it's novel. No matter what, love Mm -hmm. is, is eternal and it never ends. And it depends on the moment and the people that you're with and what you're doing. That's the beauty of it. And then I think one can find that through the illusion of the self that maybe just maybe the love is the only thing that is not the illusion. And that's what we, when you look through the illusion and see on the other side, maybe you can see that is, that is the real, <laughs> that is the real man. There's something, there's something to be said there. And then I think that's, that's kind of what this life is all about, man. It's all about uh, being able to resonate at that loving frequency. It's being able to embody that love. And that's why they say in the Bible, God is love because that's uh that's how we tap into the divine. You know, that's how we, if we lose our sense of self, that's how we kind of, I, I don't know if you want to say gain ourself again. I don't know if that's the right way to even say it. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but it's like, that's how you, that's how you like, that's how you feel the real man. Feel the real. That's another one right there. Feel the real. <laughs> it's through, it's through love in the moment. Well, it's beautiful. What's happened for me is that I definitely think love is real and I feel it is real, but I don't feel it as the only thing that's real. I feel okay. I've come to feel everything is real just in a very new way. Um, so yeah, I mean, love all the way, <laughs> but I, I do also feel that other emotions are real too, but that love is, I think this relates to what you're saying is that like that feeling of interconnection with everything and everyone. And like, I think Thich Nhat Hanh calls it like interbeing maybe mm. that that opens floodgates to love, I think. And then it can feel really natural, like this just benevolence. Yeah. 
That's what it is. It's not that the other emotions and other experiences and pain and torment aren't, um, they're real. They're real and they happen to us. But there's something, they're almost like they're in the umbrella of love somehow. Like no matter what pain and darkness and suffering one goes through, in one way or the other, and I know my words aren't doing it justice, but in one way or the other, one can find that somehow all of that relates to love. Hmm. And that's how I would describe that. It's not that like it's yeah. all it's love, kumbaya, I'm going to go hug everybody no. in the street. It's that like within this whole interbeing, somehow in some way, it's all tied to love, even when it totally doesn't look like it. And I know if you turn on Fox News and TikTok, probably doesn't seem like it. But somehow, some way, at our deepest of deep and our highest of high, one can come to have this direct realization that somehow it's all about love and that's just personally speaking i'm not trying to preach i'm not trying to push that onto any agenda of love onto yeah. anybody i just that's how i that's how i would express that it's a uh, that that loving that god yeah. is love emotion that's beautiful and it like it so resonates for me like the coexistence of the dark and the light yeah you need both i mean a lot of people think of like enlightenment as it's all light and it's all positive emotions but mm-hmm. what's felt what's felt more accurate to me in terms of like an ideal way of being um, is having those coexist so that you can be in agony, but you can also experience a love at the same time. And I think it comes back to like the, the sacredness and the divinity of all things. If you get to that perspective, then if you love, uh, if you love the divine or you love God or the sacred, then it's like that love is, put towards like you were kind of saying like all these parts of god i think is what you said yeah um, exactly and i also wanted to tell you that you are doing justice with your words <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate that thank yeah. you yeah uh referencing the the convo well this the the ramana maharshi quote that i referenced earlier was actually it was a convo between yogananda and ramana maharshi right mm-hmm. which i was like oh that's pretty cool i didn't even know they knew each other so the convo went like this it was yogananda asking ramana um, I'm, I'm going to try and paraphrase this. Hopefully I don't butcher the, the convo, but it, it was like, he said, how come, why does God have to use suffering as a way to have this realization? Because that seems to be the gist of it, right? Like we go through a sense of suffering in one way or the other is to realize there has to be another way. And the other way is to have that God realization in one way or the mm-hmm. other. Um, and he said, he, he said, how couldn't, couldn't there be another way to reach God? Like, isn't there another way? Um, I'm trying, I'm butchering it, man. Because they put it obviously a lot more poetically. But Ramana said, like, that is, that is the only way. Like, this is the way to God realization. And I think it has to be because everything, you know, everything is in polar opposite here in this reality for some reason. Yin and yang, zero and one, on yeah. and off. So I think us coming in and incarnating into this reality, we needed to know, we need in order to know love, in order, which we can kind of say is God, right? If you want to go on that, it's the divine. It's a divine state. It's a, it's a higher frequency. In order to know love, we need to know what isn't love. So I think we all incarnated here to know what is not love, or, you know, f- through our suffering. Essentially, our suffering, in a way, we can see is not love. So then from our suffering, we say, all right, so what, what is the other way? 
what is what is the opposite to suffering per se and that is that is love and that is god so it's like there can't be any other way the the only way the only way out per se is to go into our suffering and then see on the other side that it was love all along i ho hope that made sense you know the, no it makes it makes a lot of sense because yeah. my my sense has been i'll see if i'm going to butcher this that <laughs> if you can experience god or you're saying love or let's just go with god and love yes. <laughs> um if you can find that within suffering or alongside suffering it feels like you can find it anywhere now because mm -hmm. you found it in the darkest of places yeah to now know that it's everywhere it's like there isn't a place where god isn't mm -hmm. and that's the beauty and that doesn't mean there's not going to be more suffering but it's that when we when they have that suffering arise it's like we it's, it's just like I, I think we said this at the beginning there's a different like there's a different way to see it it's a different yeah. way to see it in the umbrella of love I like that the umbrella again here you go the umbrella of love <laughs> really great really great phrases <laughs> gonna write these down <laughs> you definitely do it's awesome yeah that's what the, um, that's what it's all about man that's what it's all about yeah no it's I I think we were totally aligned with that like you said like there's going to be more suffering but now you can let's say surround it with love or mm -hmm. have it kind of be intermingled with it and that makes it more bearable yeah hallelujah hallelujah <laughs> god bless america <laughs> <laughs> seriously so i mean hey i think this is a good thing to wrap it up at to be honest with you um sure. finding the light in the darkness you know seeing the love that's through the suffering mm -hmm. i think that's kind of what this life is all about i love that that's the glorious both and there it is exactly circle full circle do you have any last words anything you want to you want to say to the world last words. um just send sending out love to everyone awesome appreciate yeah. that appreciate that love appreciate your time effort and wisdom you um, as well yeah. thank you for having me for sure yeah wish you all the best thank you you too <laughs> peace out bye